welcome to the latest episode of our Business in Focus podcast. I'm Emily Khan and I'm your host for today. Today we're revisiting the role of trade in driving growth and innovation at home and abroad. I was last joined by Matt Alabaster, a strategy partner here at PwC in January. We started a conversation then about how our recent series of trade reports, UK Trade, The New Agenda, is looking at areas that UK businesses need to prioritise to drive growth in a post-Brexit world. Welcome back today, Matt. I am delighted that today Matt and I are joined by Her Majesty's Trade Commissioner for Asia Pacific, Sam Myers, to continue that very conversation. It's a pleasure to have you here, Sam. Thank you very much for joining us. Um, perhaps we can start with you letting our listeners know a little bit more about yourself. Hi, Emily. Hi, Matt. Thanks for having me today. Um, so I'm Her Majesty's Trade Commissioner for Asia Pacific. Uh, I'm based in the uh, business and commercial hub of Singapore, uh, and I'm here working for the government to support UK companies to access this really exciting and dynamic uh, part of the world, and also to attract investment from the Asia Pacific region into the UK. Brilliant. Thanks, Sam. Um, and Matt, we, we know each other. You've been on uh, Business in Focus before, but reintroduce yourself to our listeners, please. Yes, indeed, Emily. Yeah, thanks very much for having me back. Uh, our strategy practice and I work with companies, uh, large and small, on their investment and expansion strategies. And I also have the great pleasure in leading our work and thinking around trade and investment at this exciting time. So it's a pleasure to be back again. Fantastic. Well, great to have you both here today. Let's get into this exciting topic. Um, now, we, we I talked about there in my intro, we at PwC have been exploring this topic. We've been gathering opinions of different stakeholders across government and business and society about what we can all do to promote trade and investment um, more effectively across the UK. And um, we've had a series of reports out this year that have explored that that theme. Matt, maybe you can start off by just giving us a flavour for some of the some of the topics that are coming out, some of the, the areas that we might want to delve into in the discussion today. Sure, it's a it's a it's a pretty big topic, but I'll give it a go in summarising it in, in a couple of minutes. Um, so this is a once in a generation opportunity um, for the UK to you know, look afresh at um, how to drive success in international markets. And why do I say it's once in a generation? Well, firstly, we're through the Brexit process, you know, passed all the sort of here and now noise of the politics, negotiations, and what happens to ham sandwiches on the border. And now it's about making a success of it with our independent trade policy and a renewed focus on, on what we can do uh, in international markets. Um, secondly, obviously, the pandemic has been an extraordinary dislocation in um, business as usual. Um, a huge amount of sort of ingenuity and agility shown by business and government throughout that period. So, you know, how do we keep how do we keep that going? Um, and thirdly, there's a lot of other stuff going on, um, which is totally reshaping markets. You think net zero um, as an obvious example and the transition sort of net zero by 2050 here in the UK, which is kind of redefining how all of us need to think about um, about energy across across the whole economy. So that's a, if you like, a heavy cocktail of factors, meaning that we have a huge trade opportunity. And that's why we kicked off the programme that you referenced, Emily, to look at um, to, to look at how we might be better at you know driving trade and investment in this country than we have been in the past, and we've been overwhelmed actually by the level of engagement that we've had from clients on the topic. You know, huge appetite for revisiting uh, the trade agenda and trying to improve it. Um, so if I if I try and sort of super summarise the themes that were coming out of um, that program of engagement, there were there were four of them. Firstly, um, 
an appetite to clarify and reinforce what we're calling the UK narrative, right? How we sell ourselves and talk about ourselves overseas in a trade context. Secondly, looking at the UK strategic priorities through a trade lens. And this was one that really got some imagination going uh, amongst our clients uh, involved in the debate. Um, thirdly, playing to our strengths, um, recognizing that we probably shouldn't be um, good at everything. We can't sort of hope to be good at everything. Where are we going to be focusing? And then fourthly, how do we make trade and investment a team sport? You know, showing some of that togetherness and collaboration and partnerships that we've shown during the uh, during the pandemic. So let me stop there. That was a, a kind of a whistle stop tour through you know, the debate so far, Emily. Thanks, Matt. And that's a really fantastic introduction to the topic. Um, I'm going to come back to a couple of those themes that you mentioned um, in a moment. Um, Sam, before we do that, I would love to just um, bring you into the conversation. We um, have all been observing the focus on the kind of Indo-Pacific region and how that's playing out in the trade strategy. You know, we're hearing about new trade deals, lots of examples of, of investment. Um, I would love for you to bring that to life for us in terms of the activities you're seeing across the region and why you're so passionate about the opportunity it presents for the UK, if I may. Yeah, thanks, Emily. So um, it's hard not to be enthusiastic and excited uh, about the Asia Pacific region. And I guess I'll draw uh, your listeners' attention to uh, a document published by the government in March 2021 called the Integrated Review. Um, and that sounds like quite a dry title, but it it's sort of brings to life the UK's ambitions uh, for how global Britain will uh, lead uh, and, and engage with the world uh, in this really competitive uh, era that we find ourselves in. And part of that is about how the UK will deepen our engagement with the Indo-Pacific region. And so just to uh, sort of explain, Indo-Pacific includes the Asia-Pacific region, which I'm responsible for, as well as India and China. So some of the really fast growing and dynamic economies of the world. And indeed, the Indo-Pacific uh, is home to half the world's population and some 40%, 40% of global GDP. Now, sort of below those really headline statistics, you've got some of the fastest growing economies of the world, such as Indonesia and Vietnam, uh, as well as some of the more established uh, players in Asia that we, we all know about of uh, Japan and Korea and uh, Australia, New Zealand. So it really is a diverse and dynamic uh, region. And the UK already, uh, trades really strongly with this region. So we sort of uh, send 17.5% of our global trade goes to uh, the Indo-Pacific region. And we attract about 10% of our foreign direct investment uh, coming back into the UK. So we've got really strong links. Uh, but as part of the government's independent trade strategy, which Matt just referenced there, uh, we've really been deepening our trade deals uh, so we've got a range of uh, free trade agreements already in place. Uh, we just secured agreement in principle uh, in June 2021 for the Australia-UK FTA. Uh, we'll probably come on to something called CPTPP. And if you've never heard of that before or you want me to explain more, uh, it, it needs a bit of unpacking because it's certainly a mouthful. Um, but, but that's a really exciting uh, mega trade deal with a number of different uh, countries from uh, Asia Pacific and indeed the Americas 
uh, involved with that particular deal. So it's an exciting time. It's a busy time. We're really deepening our engagement through, through these free trade agreements. Uh, and of course, it's companies uh, and many of your listeners that are bringing this uh, world to life um, by exploring the opportunities uh, of uh, selling, engaging, partnering and attracting investment from this part of the world. Thanks, Sam, for that introduction. Um, I can hear your energy and passion for the region coming through as you describe all of that. And and clearly quite a lot of activity going on. This is not a single a single trade deal. It's not a single stream of activities. There's, there's a, a complex strategy in play there. I'm glad you mentioned CPTPP um, and I get the benefit of being able to say what that stands for for listeners who maybe aren't familiar with it. So the Comprehensive and Progressive Agreement for Trans-Pacific Partnership, if I've got that right. Um, and maybe we will dig into that one in a bit more detail in a future episode. Um, I'd like your perspective, Sam, on one of the things that Sam said, uh, sorry, Matt said in his introduction about a, a UK narrative and what we stand for. So based as you are in the region, how, how do, do businesses and governments in that region see the UK as, um, as we emerge from, from Brexit and pandemic at the moment? Thanks, Emily. That's a really hard question because, as I explained, the, the region is home to such a diversity of uh, economies, uh, cultures, languages. Um, so it really is a fascinating and rich melting pot. Um, but it's certainly a region, and I guess I talk for the Asia-Pacific especially now, uh, where there is a real uh, fulcrum or sort of uh, apex of progressive uh, trade policy um, and it was the uh, Southeast Asia region under ASEAN uh, that recently uh, signed one mega trade deal called the Regional Comprehensive Economic Partnership, RCEP, with a number of uh, partners uh, in, in that part of the world. Uh, and it was through this region, uh, the Asia Pacific is home to seven out of the 11 countries that are members of that mega trade deal that you just referenced there, CPTPP. Um, so it really is a region of energy and diversity and it's it's a progressive trade region i think that's why the uk is a natural partner and that's where i would say a lot of the perceptions of the uk come from in terms of our really energetic and ambitious uh trade uh, agenda we've got some uh, agreements in in place now with 67 uh, nations uh, with with sort of deal, free trade deals uh, agreed and in place. So it's sort of, it's been a really rapid uh, sort of period of time uh, since the UK has has been charting these FTAs uh, around the world. So I think there's a lot of uh, appreciation and uh, perhaps. Uh, sort of we, we've exceeded expectations of the amount that's been done in a very short period of time. I think the COVID situation has to be uh, brought into this particular topic, Emily. It's been uh, difficult globally. Uh, it's, you know, it's been a health pandemic and it's also been an economic uh, pandemic. And so as a result of that, a lot of the perceptions uh, are, are being formed around uh, respective responses uh, to COVID. Um, and so a lot of uh, eyes on the government's uh, support package that were put in place uh, to, to sort of tackle the economic impact of COVID, um, as well as uh, a lot of appreciation for the UK's vaccine rollout and uh, our, our sort of science and tech 
has really come into focus uh, by the fact that you know it was Oxford University and AstraZeneca that were uh, pioneering one of the first vaccines for COVID-19. Um, and so I think we're seen as we want to be seen through that prism of tech, digital, uh, and part of the future economy. It's fascinating to hear you, you talk through there the impact that those maybe kind of areas that we've treated as discrete topics on on this series. So, you know, COVID-19 on one hand, the digital innovation all tie back to trade. And I know that was something that, um, Matt, you mentioned in your introduction as an area for us to focus on how trade can help um, accelerate some of those other strategic priorities. And it'd be good to dig into some of those together a little bit now. Um, I'm struck by your point just then, Sam, about the kind of economic pandemic that we've just been through. And that's very much front of mind, I think, for, for a lot of, um, lot of listeners. Matt, Matt, perhaps I could ask for your perspective on that first. We've, we've talked before about levelling up and trade, and, and clearly that plays into that economic um, recovery. Perhaps you could give us a feel for how you see the ties between getting activity right on the trade agenda as being so important to achieving the goals we have as a country around levelling up. Yeah, thanks, Emily. I think that's exactly right. And it was one of the things that came across really strongly from uh, the client engagement that we were have, and, and one of our clients had coined this phrase, which we've shamelessly copied from him, um, about looking through a trade lens at our strategic priorities. So, so let's bring that to life, as you suggest, with with, with levelling up. Um, and it's a great example, right? Because levelling up is a domestic agenda. Right? How do we how do we share economic prosperity across all parts of the UK? Um, but it's an agenda that can be accelerated through better engagement with international markets and that's the whole point here we shouldn't be looking at trade as a discrete sort of objective in its own right we should be thinking of it as an enabler of some of those things that are that are very important to our kind of long-term equality and prosperity so um leveling up is actually is bang on aligned to trade and investment because exporting companies are more productive and job creating um than uh, non-exporting companies and foreign-owned businesses um export more um, than domestic ones. So we've got to make this link more strongly and drive that virtuous circle um, better to encourage trade and investment in every region of the UK. So some specific examples, great to see the government's Freeport initiative, um, which is one way of doing that. Um, also to see DIT's investment in regional export hubs across, I think it's Edinburgh, Cardiff, Belfast and Darlington. Sam will correct me if that's wrong. Um, and um, I'd also like to plug the fact that PwC ourselves, we've opened a spanking new office in Belfast that um, that can um, that for, for, for about 3,000 people. And we have to be saying to inbound investors, you know, from Asia Pat, but obviously from other parts of the world as well, that the UK is not just about London. Um, there are plenty of opportunities um, with sort of different kind of economic capability and cost-based strengths across the rest of the UK. And we have to be saying to companies outside of the southeast that exporting is absolutely for them as well we have to make sure that no part of the uk is left behind in sort of this renewed focus on um on trade and export so yeah absolutely hopefully that brings it to life uh, a little bit brilliantly thank you matt sam does that resonate with you yeah, Emily, I think Matt's captured that really quite well. And I guess this plays to the fact that uh, it, it's sort of it's both a government and a business and a society agenda. 
And so uh, we, we miss huge opportunities if we fail to understand and appreciate the really rich uh, life sciences ecosystem in Scotland or the marine and maritime hub that's down in Southampton. And so I think as business and government uh, increases our engagement and, and sort of, uh, we, we place people around the, the length and breadth of the country, as Matt is explaining, um, it will help us better serve the businesses and the people uh, to be able to access, you know, as you've shared, my enthusiasm for the Asia Pacific region is something that the whole of the UK uh, can, is, and should be benefiting from. And so the levelling up agenda is really about making sure that we are servicing the whole uh, of the country and all of the sectors uh, get to benefit uh, from the hugely exciting trade and investment opportunities globally. One of the things we've talked about on this series before is the link between the levelling up agenda and fairness of uh, the spread of upskilling opportunities, particularly in relation to digital and digital innovation. And, and Sam, I, I heard you reference that when you were talking about one of the reasons you're so excited about the Asia Pacific region um, and the focus on kind of digital innovation in that region. Share a little bit with us about how you see trade supporting that agenda as, as a national priority, if you will. Sure. Thanks, Emily. And if you were looking to choose a topic where I'll be slightly less excitable, I'm afraid you've uh, you've failed in that because um, I really think uh, the exciting future of trade is in the digital space. And so uh, we're doing quite a lot of uh, work to support uh, British tech scale-up companies to access the Asia-Pacific region. And we've set up something called the Digital Trade Network, uh, which is uh, sort of now a year into being and is there to support uh, British companies uh, to understand, access and benefit uh, from the huge investment into tech and digital in the Asia-Pacific. Uh, and it's a region that's well known for its early tech adoption. And uh, they're also looking to attract investment from, uh, from the Asia-Pacific region into the UK. And it's sort of, we've got our work cut out for us because uh, Silicon Valley dominates a lot of the uh, thinking of uh, overseas investors. And actually the UK is home to some of the most exciting, innovative, uh, fast growing tech companies anywhere in the world. And uh, you know the fact that we attract a third of venture capital investment into our tech sector um, is a great uh, example of our strength. Um, but we sometimes, I don't think, get the recognition, appreciation uh, that, that is deserved of, of the, the amazing uh, sort of sector that we've got in the UK. So to try and help that, Emily, we're uh, currently in negotiations for something called a digital economy agreement between the UK and Singapore. We've chosen Singapore because it's a tech-savvy uh, market where they've... Uh, entered into agreements with a couple of other countries, uh, but the UK would be the first uh, first country ahead of uh, Europe to, to build uh, such an agreement uh, that will, in, in essence, set the rules of the road for uh, how companies uh, exchange uh, sort of data between uh, our two nations, how they support uh, sort of new growing uh, sectors uh, whilst also protecting uh, data privacy and setting the, the standards uh, by which 
uh, we will make sure that uh, that customers uh, retain their trust and confidence uh, in their data being held securely. So we're, we're entering into a negotiations phase uh, and it's a really exciting time as we start to, you know, with our newly independent trading nation status, uh, enter into new areas of uh, the economy. And uh, I think there's, there's a stat of some uh, sort of 70% of uh, UK uh, services exports uh, have a digital component to them uh, in, in terms of our UK-Singapore trade. Um, and that's you know 70% of £5 billion a year of services uh, that the UK exports to Singapore. So it, it's, it's a big and it's a growing area uh, of the UK's exports. Uh, and so it's really exciting that we're uh, setting the rules of the road uh, with Singapore and hopefully expand out beyond that uh, in due course. I can totally relate to you finding that exciting, Sam. Um, I, you know, when you think of so many of the trade conversations we've had over recent years have been about goods and tariffs and those kind of traditional areas of trade, to hear you talking about where we're taking some of these agreements for the future it is very exciting. Um, I'm conscious that time is ticking by here and there is one more area that I wouldn't mind us talking through together, um, which is top of a lot of people's minds at the moment, which is around the, the climate change agenda. And conscious that with COP26 this year means all eyes are on the UK and it's very much kind of a, a top of the business agenda, top of the consumer agenda, very much like you just said there with, with Digital Matt. Perhaps you could start us off with some thoughts on how trade can support our development on, on the ESG or the climate change front. Yeah, absolutely. So as you say, you know, net zero is a climate imperative, of course, um, but it's also a great big stonking trade opportunity. Um, and uh, it's kind of hard to uh, overstate the size of the prize from an industrial point of view. Um, we, uh, we, we published a report recently um, that I was involved in that said that the UK needed around 50, uh, 40 billion pounds per year of capital investment into um, you know, the infrastructure and technologies and capabilities that we need to decarbonize our economy, um, which is a you know, huge amount of uh, huge amount of money and at least double um, the rates that we've seen over the last couple of years. And just bring this life, we're talking about renewables, we're talking about electric vehicles, all of the charging infrastructure that goes with them, batteries that are required, hydrogen. Um, hydrogen's likely to be a sort of part of the solution. There's a huge, um, uh, basically infrastructure and economy that needs to be built um, around hydrogen. We're talking about efficient heating for our homes and offices, a huge amount of stuff um, that needs to be done. And you know, we're in a very strong position, I think, in the UK from a kind of trade point of view, because we have been very successful at decarbonizing already. In fact, we've decarbonized over the last decade at the fastest rate of any other country in the G7. That's not to say that we're the cleanest, um, but we are getting cleaner um, at the fastest rate, which is something that we should be proud of. But when we think about the trade and investment agenda, it's not enough, even though it's very good to be setting you know, overall targets for our decarbonisation ambition and setting targets for all sorts of things like you, know, you can't buy a petrol or a diesel car after 2030. That's, that's great. Those are all sort of demand signals, if you like, in the market that the government is being very strong about. Um, but for a trade point of view, there's a trade opportunity here. And we need to be thinking about the supply side as well. We need to be thinking about the industrial capabilities that we have in the UK to achieve those decarbonisation targets and make sure that we're not reliant on, um, on importing 
um, the products and services that will get us there. I'll, I'll just give you one example, um, which is you know, offshore wind, right? Huge success story in terms of decarbonizing our power grid. You know, last year, 2020, we produced more electricity from renewable sources than from fossil fuel sources. Great success. And in fact, we are the world's largest market now for offshore wind, but we don't have any of the world's uh, 15 uh, top you know, um, wind turbine manufacturers. None of those are British companies. Um, and I think so. I think that's a bit of an industrial opportunity missed. That's enormous high growth, long term high tech industry that was ripe for us uh, as a country. Um, but we somehow didn't quite grasp that industrial opportunity. And I guess the point here is there's a whole bunch of new stuff coming down the line. I mentioned hydrogen, just the, the amount of uh, infrastructure and technology that's going to be required there um, is, is, is enormous. So let's not miss the opportunity to be a world leader in hydrogen or in next generation batteries or sustainable aviation fuels or, you know, you name it, there's, there's plenty of stuff to go for and it's a real trade and investment opportunity. Thanks, Matt. That really brings to life how the, how the two intersect. Sam, I'm interested in your reflections on, on what Matt has just shared on, on that particular dimension. Yeah, sure, Emily. Thanks. So, Matt, I hope you'll be happy that I agree with 90% of what you've said, uh, but I'd like to just uh, challenge uh, uh, one area of that. Um, so I think, you know, we, we strongly agree that there's proof uh, in the British economy that economic growth uh, can go hand in hand with lowering carbon emissions. Uh, and that's been a real success story. And I think you also sort of flagged that we've got a long way to go. And um, this really is uh, a massive challenge uh, in terms of decarbonizing the economy. Um, and, you know, as you said, there are uh, signals that can be sent uh, from the demand side uh, by governments uh, that need to go hand in hand by capacity capability uh, and appetite uh, from, from the corporate um, and business sector. And so I think we're making really good progress in terms of the partnership effort that is needed between uh, government, business and society. Um, and of course, sitting where I do in the Asia Pacific, um, there's a big global dimension to this, uh, which requires you know, energy transition to take place across uh, you know, huge growing uh, economies uh, around the world that have quite a different starting point uh, from the UK. Um, I think on the various sort of green energy sectors you touched on there, I do just want to shine a spotlight on the fact that uh, your example around uh, offshore wind uh, and, and the sort of turbine uh, challenge that, that you sort of referenced there. Um, we do have a lot of capability and expertise in the UK in offshore wind. Um, there, there are you know, huge supply chains uh, and uh, the UK has strengths in developing installation vehicles, uh, in the cabling that's required and the protection systems, the grids, the energy grids. Um, and, and, you know, into the future, some of the storage solutions uh, that are required. Um, so I do just want to add that extra dimension um, and, and perhaps push back against the fact that, uh, you know, the UK uh, sort of needs, I think we agree on the point that the UK needs to uh, grow our sector uh, and, 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 you know, the UK has the plan for growth to support uh, the green energy transition and harness the economic benefits as well as, the environmental benefits that we'll get from that. Thanks, Sam. I think that the one area that I can hear that you're both very strongly in agreement on is that 
the trade and investment is a huge opportunity for the UK and it's really important to delivering a whole range of other things that we want for the country and for the for the broader world that we play an active role in so um, I think we all share that view we are almost out of time here today and we've covered an awful lot of ground so I'm going to ask you for one last piece of advice people who've who've listened to this and thought you know this is something I need to find out more about I want to know more about the Indo-Pacific region I need to think more about trade and investment what one piece of advice would you give to listeners Sam I'm going to come to you first if I may Sure, Emily. Thank you. I think I'd like sort of to, to just leave your listeners with a call to action of um, the, you know, I, I work for the Department for International Trade and we're here to help uh, businesses uh, and entrepreneurs and investors to uh, you know, export into the Asia Pacific and to attract investment from the Asia Pacific into the UK. Um, so if you want a place to go to, uh, then there's a website uh, called the great.gov.uk website. Uh, and, and so if you want to look at that, uh, you'll be able to connect with me, uh, connect with my team who are you know, based across these exciting and dynamic markets of the Asia Pacific. Uh, and we're here to help uh, you know, British companies to succeed in this really exciting part of the world. So I'd encourage you to find out more on that. Brilliant. Thanks, Sam. What would you add, Matt? I would add, um, challenge your preconceptions. Um, you know, this is a ripe time to be thinking again about your export strategies, your export ambitions, um, which markets you think are accessible and which ones aren't. Um, how difficult you think it is to get access to some of those markets and ultimately how big your export um, sales could be. I, I think if, you, if you're not going to do it now, when are you going to do it, given everything that we've been talking about and everything that's going on? Fantastic. So some great calls to action there. Think big and ask the DIT for help. That's us out of time. Thank you both. That was such an engaging and fascinating discussion. And thanks, of course, to everyone for listening. For more information on the findings of our series of reports on the UK's future trading relationships, please visit Trade the New Agenda at pwc.co.uk forward slash trade. And of course, there's the great.gov.uk website that Sam shared with us today. Don't forget to subscribe to keep up to date with future episodes. See you next time.